unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my service this morning at the Bowman Church of Christ. We're certainly pleased and honored to have everybody here this morning. If you're visiting with us, we want you to know you're a special guest of ours. We appreciate you being with us today. We welcome you to our worship service and any way we can assist you, then please let us know. You know, we've been blessed with a beautiful day today outside. A good day to come and assemble together, all of us together. We're excited that we're able to do this now and just appreciate uh, the good attendance. We hope that each day that we'll build and have more each, each Sunday. So as you see people and talk to people, please tell them our new schedule and invite them to be with us. This morning in our worship service, Brother Chris Langley will be reading our scripture, our song leader, excuse me, J.T. Beard will be leading prayer, scripture reading by Brother Ethan Kendrick, 
the lesson of our, our brother Ken Forrest, the Lord's Supper by Brother Aaron Foster, and announcements at the close of Big Brother Todd Sweeney. Immediately after the close of our service, there'll be a little short presentation, so we want to encourage you to uh, be attentive to that. At this time, let's pray, please. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the beautiful day you blessed us with. We thank you, Father, that we have a health to be here today. We pray for those that are sick and not able to be here. We pray, Father, that uh, if possible, they can watch it by our live streaming. We know that uh, many people get to do that, and we pray the blessings upon that. Father, we pray that you would be with us today as we're here to assemble to worship you. We pray that we've come with the right attitude, that we can participate in the service as we go through, be very attentive to the lesson when it's presented. And Father, we just pray that you continue to bless us in this congregation. Pray that we can do the things that will be pleasing to you, bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. It's a really good crowd today, so uh, sing out and uh, praise our, our Lord. Uh, first song this morning will be, He Has Made Me Glad, a 103. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving, my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has A new song, 258, you'll see the first and third verse. Let's sing. It thrills my soul to Thank you. 
this morning giving you thanks for this beautiful day that I was to enjoy for all the blessings of life that you give us every day we take so many of them for granted and we want to take this opportunity to express our appreciation for all you do for us we are especially thankful today as we are every day for the gift of your son we are thankful that you were that you allowed him to come to this earth to bleed and to die on Calvary's cross that we could have remission of our sins. We're thankful, Father, for this country that you've allowed us to live in for all the blessings and opportunities that we have as citizens. We pray, Father, that we would use all the resources, the abilities, the opportunities that we have to spread your word throughout the entire world, beginning with our local community here. We're thankful for the church here at Boonville. We're thankful for all the good work that is done here. And especially, I want to thank uh, you and 
the congregation here where so many came out yesterday and spent their time uh, helping members of our community in the distri distri distribution of, of clothes that I'm sure that many people in the community needed and benefited from that effort. And it is it's so wonderful to be a part of a congregation where so many are always willing to help in any good work. We're especially thankful for our elders, for their leadership, for their desire to carry your word throughout the, out the uh, community and, and throughout the world. And we pray, Father, that you would continue to bless them in, in their every effort, that you would give them wisdom, that they, as they make decisions, that they would make decisions that would cause the church to grow not only here but throughout the whole world. We also want to ask you for some favors this morning. We know that we have many in our our congregation here and our community, our friends and our family that are uh, uh, having health problems. We pray, Father, you would be with all those, that you would meet whatever needs they have, that they would be able to return to a greater portion of health. We want to spotlight one of our members this morning, especially Father. We pray that you would be with the, the Bonham family, especially Sandy, as she is suffering with uh, health problems, that the family has to make decisions that are going to be hard decisions. We pray that you would be with uh, that family, that you would give them wisdom to make the right choices, that you would be with, with her regardless of the choice that's made, that she would be able to return to a greater portion of health and be with us for many years to come. We are Thankful for all of our teachers, for all those that, that uh, teach in the congregation here. We pray that you would continue to be with them, be with those students that they're teaching. We pray that they would uh, take the things that they hear to heart and that it would cause them to be the kind of people they need to be as they grow older. We ask you to be with Ken today as he delivers the message. We pray that you would give him a good recollection of the things he's prepared to say and that we as listeners would listen in view of eternity, realizing that if we gain this whole world and lose our souls, we're losers. So forgive us, Father, when we fail to do what we know we should do and we leave off, we leave off so many times doing things that we should do and we pray you would forgive us for everything that is amiss in our lives that we might stand justified before you and that when this life is over that we would have a home in heaven with you. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. Marking your song books, uh, the song of invitation will be heaven came down number 517 at the appropriate time. Uh, some before the scripture reading analyst will be the fast version of Oh Happy Day. And uh, while I have the moment here, I um, want to extend thanks to you, uh, the church family here, uh, for sending cards to my... I said I wasn't going to get it, Berklant. but anyway, um, my Aunt Sarah Chase, uh, as you know, she was she's battling cancer, unfortunately. It's a rare form that only affects maybe 10 women out of the United States, so they don't know how to treat it. 
and her kidneys have shut down, and so now she's calling in the family. So she's got days, weeks, but maybe not a month. But um, I ran into her daughter at the contest and said, be sure to thank that church family up there. They covered her up with cards, by far, by anything. She said, just keep them coming. But, um, but anyway, uh, the new prognosis is what it is. Um, so uh, I'm not too upset because I know where she's going. And that's what we're going to sing about right here. So, oh, happy day. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse and second verse. 
2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2, from the New King James Version. The following scripture says, We then as workers together with him also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says in the acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Thank you, Ethan, for reading that text of Scripture. Didn't he do a great job? And don't you love to hear the Word of God? And the singing. Thank you, Chris, for leading us in those enthusiastic verses and for all of your participation. I, I just, isn't it wonderful to be back together and to enjoy services like this? But here's our goal. It's, it's not just to, just not to feel good. That's certainly a benefit, but we are here as God's children to join ourselves together in worship of Him. And that is just such a marvelous thing to participate in. Harold Eaton's here today, and he has been suffering since he had his shoulder surgery, and I would have him wave at all of you, but I don't think that is recommended. So Harold, we are glad that you're able to be with us today. And I, I told him that all he has to do to look for inspiration is turn his head to the left where his wife is because she has also endured so much. And it, it's, a, it's a real inspiration for all of us to see them here today. And we prayed about Sandy a moment ago, and right there she is. And Sandy, I want you to know you're an inspiration to us too. I can't imagine anybody has an excuse not to be here when you are here and the strong spirit that you have, it just, it inspires all of us. And I know that we pray for these people, but especially Sandy, I want you to know that there are people who hear our broadcasts or tune in to our Bible classes where your name is mentioned. And some of them live in places clear on the other side of the earth. So that tells me that there are people carrying your name to God's throne 24 hours a day. And isn't that great? So when you're sick, give us your name. <laughs> we will, boy, we will just, God will be like, oh yeah, there they are again. I hope so. But thank you for being here today and participating with us in this worship. And we, we all are here in this moment right now to consider God's word. It's not just a Bible study. It's worship for us, which means that we're all participants in this consideration and meditation upon the Word of God. All I'm trying to do is mediate. I, I want to carry us through a text, and I'm hoping that as we go through it, that some things will be a source through which and by which you can really adore God and honor Him. I read something this past week 
that said that no matter where you start in the Scripture, by the time you're finished, you ought to end up with Jesus. I think that's exactly right. And I hope that that's where we'll be. We're going to pray together. We will be thankful for this occasion and that God will bless us in our study together. Please pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for now, this time, this moment that we are in, on the ragged edge of history, nothing beyond where we are right now, only in our imagination. So the only thing that matters is this moment. All that's in the past is gone. It's a memory, but we can't touch it. And the future is just that. It's beyond us. It's an imagination. The only thing is this moment right here. So, Lord, I pray that all of us will make the most of the moment that we are in. And today, I'm praying, Father, we will understand clearly that this moment here, now, this, this is the day of salvation. It's not a 24-hour day. It's the moment that we're in. And Lord, I pray you'll touch our hearts to that end. I pray, Father, that you'll help me to communicate your word today in a simple way that's easy to understand and apply. And I pray for those who hear these words, that they will accept them and make the use of them that you intend. Lord, help us not to be fearful. Help us have courage in the moment that we're in right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So God says this, Behold, now, right now, is the accepted time. Behold, now, this moment right here is the day of salvation. That might seem a little strange. A day and a moment? Really? The Scriptures talk about that day which was coming. And for us, all that was anticipated about salvation is in the here and now, in this moment. So the day of salvation is in the moment you're in. And we're in it right now. I think that's pretty exciting. I don't know about you. The day of salvation, right now. I know some extenuating truths about it. For instance, I know that as regards salvation, I am looking for freedom. Freedom from sin. Romans chapter 6, verse 7. He who has died has been freed from sin. So I know in that context, that obedience to the gospel is going to be the means by which I am freed from my sin. In the death that occurs in baptism, having believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, repented of my sins, confessed faith, and then buried. Buried into the death of Jesus Christ and raised a new creation. In Romans chapter 8, the scripture there says that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. There's that freedom again. Now, this text, and we're especially noting the second verse of what Ethan read for us. 
Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That actually was preceded by at least four characteristics of salvation that are important to us. Back in chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians, at verse 17, we find out that in our salvation, we become a new creature. So we're not the same as we once were. We've become an entirely different entity altogether. Having been freed from the shackles of sin, now we can soar with God through Jesus Christ. In verse 18, we find out, yeah, because of Jesus, we are reconciled to God. And I always thought that was an interesting idea. To be reconciled means that at one time there was a conciliatory relationship. We used to enjoy our participation together, but because of sin, we were separated. Now, having been freed from sin, we can be reconciled with God. And then, of course, that major key, the one that we often talk about in verse 19, the forgiveness of sins. That isn't some temporary condition. That is the washing away of sins, the putting them away. And you know that in 1 John chapter 1, verse 7 and following, we find out that if we walk, continue to walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us, literally continues to cleanse us from all sin. I love that. But that precipitates what he mentions there in verse 1. It's all a matter of my mindset, of my intention to receive the grace of God. And not to receive the grace of God in vain. And as kind of a, just a power through on that idea, he says, let me remind you that God said of old, and so now it is absolutely true. Behold, take a look at this. Now, this moment is the accepted time. Behold, now, right now in this moment, is the day of salvation. <laughs> you know, when I hear those kinds of declarations, I always have questions. So I'm going to assume that you would have the same question that I have. I would ask this text, exactly why is it that today is in the now? Why is it that in this moment, salvation is so important, as opposed to, you know, any other moment. Why is it now? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today. The answer to that question as to why it's so important. I want us to know in the first place that the reason it is so important, the reason that now is the day of salvation, is because you and I both face the danger of death. Look, I don't want to be macabre. I don't want to dwell on negative matters such as death. But I do want us all to understand that the human condition is such that we will live for a time and then we are going to die. The classic text of Scripture to support that notion is Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. You know, it's appointed for men to die once, and then after that, the judgment. So my anticipation, I'm going to live, and then I'm going to die. 
I'm not going to have another opportunity at this. What's happening now is going to have permanent ramifications. Because once I die, I'm going to face the judgment. It's interesting when David talked about it in 1 Samuel chapter 20 at verse 3. And I love this picture. He's talking about Jonathan, he's talking to Jonathan, talking about Saul trying to take his life. And he says that there is one step between life and death. I've thought about that a lot on several occasions. One step between life and death. Literally speaking, sometimes when I'm out running on the road, and a car comes kind of close to me, I'm reminded of that statement right there. You know what, kid? You're only, you're only one step from life to death. Or maybe as you're traveling down the highway, you know those roads without the medians in them. Have you ever noticed? You're just kind of tracking along 55 miles an hour. You've done it so often you don't even think about it anymore. But as you pass another vehicle going 55 miles an hour or faster, you are only a step away from a 110 mile an hour collision. Only a step between life and death. I'm not sure he was talking about the literal step of entering into death from life. Maybe it's more analogous to the time factor. Some of you haven't approached this age, but when I turned 50, I announced to anyone who would hear it, I'm halfway. Meaning, of course, I intend to be 100 when I die. So 50 was only the middle, only halfway. Yeah, that's fun thinking, but 100, seriously? We know how rare that has become to live to that age and to still be physically and mentally viable. I mean, strong still. That, that's, that's a high task to try to achieve. But if that's what he's talking about, still only a step between life and death. What if it's more reasonable? What if the step between life and death is only a year? What would you do with the year? Or six months? Or how about this? Let's just get personal here. A week, you've got a week left. Or a day. Or what if the day is today? What if the step that you have to take is only a few hours or a few minutes from now? Can you imagine that we were assembled here this morning, all of us asking, how are you doing? And most people saying, doing well. And then this evening, we're grieving over your unexpected loss. That would be a step between life and death. When James talked about it, James assures us that the only thing to be certain about related to life is the uncertainty of it. James chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go into such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? 
It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, we ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. We do not know what will happen within the next moment. The only thing we know for sure is what's happening right now. You ever stop and look at your newspaper's obituary section? Sometimes I'll do that and I'll be looking to see who, who made it the farthest. Wow, there's somebody 90 some years of age. And I start reading with interest the things that they did in their life. And you know, as well as I do, a few paragraphs do not describe a life of 97 years. But then honestly, neither do a few paragraphs give all the hopes and dreams and love and affection and manifested desires of parents who are grieving the death of a child that's in that same obituary. Life is unpredictable. The only thing I know for sure is that salvation, my relationship with God, is distributed in terms of not weeks or months or years, but in the now of it, in this moment right here. Now, he says, is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day. Not someday forward. Now, this moment is the day of salvation. We face the danger of death. We ought to be serious about the now. But, you know, we also face the danger of a hardened heart. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13 talks about the hardened heart. And that scripture says that the heart becomes hardened as a result of the deceitfulness of sin. Now that's interesting because we started out talking about how we can be freed from sin. That seems to be a good idea to be freed from sin so that my heart doesn't become hardened. Now, a heart becomes hardened, he says, by deceitfulness. Or another word for deceitfulness would mean to be misguided. Someone enters into something they think is going to be okay, or that they can work with, or that's going to bring them pleasure with no kind of consequences. You are deceived. You are misguided. And the more you stay ingrained in that sin, the longer you pursue that track away from God, the harder and the harder your heart becomes. So that, in effect, you become desensitized to sin. Now, here's the thing about the heart and desensitization, that typically the heart and our knowledge is what conditions our conscience. That is that little inside voice that all of us have that will tell us whether to go with something or to stop. And depending on our experiences, our conscience will either be that conscience which reflects the will of God or it's far from it. It will be far from it if our heart has turned away from the message of God. If we're just accepting anything and everything. For instance, a child who's brought up in a society that condones stealing and lying will never feel any grief 
over having stolen something or lied about it because their conscience has not been properly trained. But we can go this far scripturally that even a person who has been trained and does have a good conscience, if they give themselves back over to sin, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2 speaks of those whose consciences have been seared with a hot iron. And that's a reflection back on the idea of branding an animal or even, God forbid, a slave, where the imprint is permanently embedded in the skin by searing the flesh. Not only does it leave an imprint, but it leaves devastating consequences to the flesh. That is, those nerves that are in there that at one time would have perceived pain no longer work. He says a person can at one point or the other, if they are so led by sin and so overwhelmed by it to the point that they're accepting of everything, can have their consciences seared with a hot iron. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning at verse 17, This I say, therefore, in testifying the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, in the futility of their mind, have their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. Now, why do they do these awful things? He says it's because they have gotten to a place that is past or beyond feeling. In Acts chapter 24 and verse 25, the Apostle Paul has been having an evangelistic discussion with Felix. In this text, we find out that actually the content of their discussion had been righteousness and self-control and the judgment to come. This discussion caused Felix to have some emotional response. The text says that he became afraid. And he answered this way. He said, go away for now. Now that's a key word for us today, isn't it? Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. When is the day of salvation? It's now. Paul was sharing with him, not just some interesting notes related to the life that he was living and the change that he needed to make, in terms of his righteousness and of self-control. But he specifically emphasized the fact that, Felix, you are going to face the judgment. And just as our text today suggests, it isn't, well, Felix, along down the road, you probably should consider the situation that you're in and make a decision for the Lord. No, it was in the moment, in the now. Right now, Felix, you need to consider these things. But that caused him to become afraid because it marked change that was going to have to take place in his life. No doubt, no doubt, his heart was far from God at the time. 
No doubt that by the way that he had lived, that his conscience had been seared with a hot iron, but now the Word of God was working on him, and it made him afraid. And so he says, you know what? I don't want to deal with this right now. I don't want to deal with salvation in the now moment. Because you've told me that today's the day. I just, I, I tell you what, when it's more convenient for me, when it's more convenient, then I will call you. What's your gut feeling on this? You feel like they, yeah, he probably got back with him. <laughs> I, I can't say because I do not know. I can only speak from my own experience. I've had lots of people say, ah, yeah, boy, ooh, boy, I want to study the Bible with you. Yes. Oh, I'd love that. Or even have a study or two. You want to study again? Absolutely, yes. Listen, uh, you know, schedule's kind of busy right now, and I love it. I love study. Let me get back with you. You know what almost always happens? They never get back. Never get back. In fact, JT, would this be true or not? Most of our time is spent trying to get that study back. He's shaking his head this way. Why is that? Well, that heart's a tough thing to deal with, especially in the now. You know, if I can put a thing off, if I can procrastinate, I feel better about it. But let me reassert what I mentioned in the prayer because I'm as serious as I can be. There is no such thing as tomorrow. There isn't. The only thing that we actually have is the moment right here. There is no future. We're on, I just love saying this because I think it just sounds pretty cool, that we are on the ragged edge of history. History's not gone as far. It hasn't gone farther than we are right now. So that means the only opportunity that any of us have that we know about is the now right here for Felix. And I just don't have a good feeling for Felix. Felix said, mm, go away for now. I'll get back with you. I don't know. This business about now being the day of salvation is also so important because I'm just going to tell you, life's unpredictable. It's unpredictable. And if you're not careful, when the Lord returns, you will be unprepared. Well, being on the ragged edge of history and all, that becomes pretty significant because I don't know what's going to happen. I kind of assume we all do. We get kind of lackadaisical about this. Kind of assume that it's going to be like it's always been. This Sunday, like every other Sunday. Here's a sermon. Then I'm going to go to lunch. Maybe you've already got lunch plans. I know what I'm going to do. No, no, you don't. You don't. All you know is what's happening right now. Got all these plans. That's just in our mind. The reality is right here. So we are in the now. What does our scripture say? Behold, now's the accepted time. Now's when it's to happen. Now's the day of salvation, not some far off place. It's right here. And here's why. I don't want to be unprepared because Jesus is coming back. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, Ken, you don't know what you're talking about. Okay, here's what I believe. 
I believe that Jesus is coming back. And one day I will prove that to you beyond the shadow of a doubt. But for now, I just have the promise of Jesus. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. For where I go, you know, and the way you know. Jesus said, I'm going away. And he did go away, just as he promised. And now he promises to return again. You respond, well, when is that going to be? You know, Second Peter chapter 3 talks about scoffers who's just like, you know what? It, just like in the days of Noah when there was the promise of the flood and it didn't come, then it finally did. Well, you know what? You've been promising about Jesus coming and he hadn't come for these hundreds, even thousands of years now. What up? Again, I will prove to you one day that the Lord's coming. But until such time, I just have these promises. As regards when it's going to happen, I'm in the dark just as much as you are. I do not know. It could be in the next moment, even before I'm finished telling you about it. It could be tomorrow or the next day. But again, those aren't promised. All I have is right now. So I'm kind of in the dark as pertains to what's moving forward. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Scripture says, but concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you are not in darkness so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. It is like here on the ragged edge, edge of history, we are looking into the darkness of the abyss. We're like, when is it going to happen? When it, you know what? Seriously, I don't, I don't think of it that way. I think, and this may just shock some of you, it may put you into paralysis, but Lord, come on, I'm ready. Let's just go with this. Come on today. You say, Ken, stop that. Don't do that. I'm serious. I want the Lord to come back so badly, I just can't hardly stand it. But until such time as he does, we're all in the dark. I, I have no idea when that's going to happen. But I know that when it happens, I had better be prepared. Now, there is a, an interesting parable that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 25. It's the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. And the import of that story is you had better be prepared when the bridegroom comes. Because if you don't, verse 12, he is going to shut the door and here's what he's going to say. I do not know you unprepared. Knock, knock, knock. Lord, we were here. You know, we, we, we were here. I do not know you. I, I do not know you. Well, so let's just say, Ken, that day comes and it will come.
But let's just say it will come. Just sake of argument, it's coming. What's that day like? You know, okay, well, for those who aren't prepared and ready, oh, let me tell you what is the truth. It is, oh, it's going to be the most amazing day. The most amazing, let's put it in our terms, the most amazing now moment that you have ever experienced. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning at verse 13. I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, he will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. And then he says, comfort one another with these words. And I'm telling you what is the truth. Comfort doesn't even cover it. Can you imagine that day? The great shouts and the blowing of the trumpets and the great reunion in the air with the Lord and all the loved and faithful of all time assembled together to be together forever and ever. Amen. What a now moment. But concurrent with that is also described a now moment for those who are unprepared. Interesting that he wrote to the Thessalonican brethren about that event we just described. He also writes to them about the other one that I'm describing for you. It's in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7, 8, and 9. And he says, on that day, you know, the Lord's going to send from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. That's a terrifying now moment. And that's being had by those unprepared. How are they unprepared? Don't know God? Haven't obeyed the gospel. And watch this. Watch how easy and simple this is for our now moment right here. Keeping in mind that behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. I'm going to guess that as you sit there right now, I'm not, I don't know if it's 100%, but I'm thinking it's 99.9% .9 of everybody in this building, they believe in God. But I'm not so sure that 99.9% .9 of us have obeyed the gospel. So that means in that now moment, which, well, Ken, when did you say that would occur? I, I said, I do not know. I said that we're on the ragged edge of history. I said that there's nothing beyond this moment. And that's why he frames it in the terms of now for salvation. We don't put it off because there isn't anything to put off. If I say not today, it may not be any day because I'm not promised of anything beyond what I have right now. So if you believe, 
I'm wondering what in the world would cause you to risk your eternal soul in not obeying the gospel today, in this moment, right now. Because there's nothing else promised. That's real. So if you're a child of God, you're ready, right? And you would sing with me for the Lord to come. But if there's something hindering you, it's true for you too. If there's something amiss you need to repent of, it's now. And if you're not a child of God, but you believe these things, then today have the courage to obey the gospel. Then you'll be ready in the now. If there's anybody who needs to respond right now, why don't you come while you need to as we stand and sing. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful day. Day I will never forget. I am wondering God's way. Jesus, my Savior, I met. Oh, I did my passion friend. He met me with my heart. Chances and joy.
unto thee, O Lord. Do I lift up my
about 2,000 years ago when man walked the earth. We're still singing praises about him. We're still changing lives. It's why we are here. It's not because we were there yet. It's why we're here. Christ uh, mends our broken lives. It's a little bit loud. Sing the first two verses of this song to help prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper. Oh, the riches and oh, the depth and the riches of our saving grace. together this morning I want to just draw your attention to maybe a, a, a verse or to a, a verse in John chapter 20 and specifically we'll, we'll read in just a moment verses 26 through 29 we have ushers here if anybody while we get to this moment if you need the bread or the fruit of the vine please raise your hand and they'll make their way through the auditorium and ensure somebody gets that. So the scene we have here is, is Jesus is appearing at the, the crucifixion, the resurrection, all that's happened. And, and he's appearing to certain individuals and he appeared to the apostles and the apostles go to Thomas because Thomas wasn't there and says, hey, we've seen the Lord. And Thomas says, Starting in, um, he says, unless I see it myself, I won't believe. And, and so this is what happened starting in verse 26. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. None of us here have seen it physically. 
but we are all here this morning and we're about to participate in this act of worship because we believe and know that it happened. And we believe and know, as Ken's told us, that because of that, when he comes again, we'll spend eternity with him because of that sacrifice. And so at this moment, uh, we're going to thank God for that sacrifice and we're going to we're going to not only thank God, we're going to remember that sacrifice. And let's do that now as we partake of the bread. Bow with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we are so, so very thankful for the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross for our sins. Father, we're thankful for every Sunday that you bless us with to, to take time to remember that sacrifice and, and to partake of this bread so we can... We can think on his body that was crucified on that cross. And Father, at this time, as we, we participate in this act of worship together, we just ask your blessings to, to be upon us. And, and we just pray that we do it in, in the rightful way to your glory as we worship you. It's in Christ's name. Amen. Let's now remember the blood that was shed on the cross. Likewise, Father, we humbly approach you now on behalf of the blood that was shed upon that cross. And again, we thank you for this opportunity to take of this fruit of the vine, which represents that blood that we know cleanses our sins and washes them away. And Father, we're just so very thankful. It's in Christ's name. Amen. say before we move into the, the act of giving back what God has blessed us with, how wonderful it is that he gave us this day to be here together. So thankful for all of you and I'm so thankful to see you here. And now we'll move into giving back a bit of what we, what God has blessed us with, knowing it's not ours, but it's his. And, and uh, there's a lot of ways to do that. I'm not going to go through those ways. Um, but I hope everybody's taking advantage of the opportunities we have to give back to the Lord. And of course, we want to pray for the congregation here as we use those funds to further his kingdom. So bow your head, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we now want to offer up a different kind of prayer. It's, of course, one of Thanksgiving, the, the things that you provide us each and every day and, and the physical blessings that you specifically provide us. And Father, we also want to lift up those those funds and to and just pray that they'll be used for your glory and for your 
for the kingdom's benefit and that so we can spread your word and your gospel, the good news to as many people as we possibly can. And we continue to touch the lives of those in this community and, and abroad. And so father, we just, we just thank you that we can give it, give back to you today. We thank you so much for that. And, and then father, our prayers that you'll just be with the money that is given, that it'll, it'll be to your glory. And that's our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to talk just a few moments about next Sunday's contribution. It is a fifth Sunday, and all of the contribution next Sunday would go will go towards capital improvement. Uh, my intent is to share with you what the uh, projects that are currently under considerations for these funds, and and our plan is to use our capital improvement funds to pay for these projects. There are several uh, big maintenance items. We have some broken windows on the front of the building that we need to repair that area. A big part of the charge in that is just renting the lift to get the workers up there to do that repair. We estimate that's about $15,000 to do the total project. In addition, the wall next to the porch out here by the office door uh, needs to be replaced, and we think that's about $3,000 to do that. We have had structural engineers in to look at that, and they tell us it's not a safety issue, uh, that the roof over the porch is cantilevered and it, it is structurally sound, but if it does fall, it may fall on the air conditioners, and so we do need to get that replaced. Also, we need to replace two balcony air conditioners. We estimate that cost is in the neighborhood of $16,000. And we need to upgrade some of our security cameras and that's about $5,000. We also have this drainage ditch that's on the east side of the property that is the, the, it's about to cave in and that needs to be replaced. We were on a conference call with the mayor this week and the mayor has told us that the previous Board of Aldermen had approved the city paying for that. We're certainly thankful for that. And he said that that approval would carry over into this new uh, city uh, administration. Uh, if we paid for that ourselves, we're dealing with about $60,000 to do that, that work. So we're certainly thankful that the city is going to to do that, that that ditch takes the drainage water from the neighborhood, so it's not just our ditch, it's the city's ditch. There are also some uh, other site upgrades. Um, we need improved parking lot lighting, and we're, we think we can probably improve that for about $2,000. There's also some live streaming associated improvements, uh, a major upgrade here in the auditorium lighting, about $15,000. And the area where people in the sound system and our do the people doing the live streaming, we, we do plan to upgrade that area in the balcony and we're talking about, about $10,000 worth of work there. 
we would like to put a very large TV in the annex to improve our teaching capability there because that's one of our adult classrooms and we believe we can do that for $2,000 or less. And periodically we need to replace vehicles that we have. Uh, the next vehicle we need to replace is one of those 20 plus year old 15 passenger vans and we're probably talking about $15,000 or $55,000 to get a, a new 15 passenger van. So at the next deacons meeting, we obviously can't do all of this at once, but we need to set some priorities and we'll ask the deacons to help us in prioritizing these projects. We uh, prayerfully, we ask that you prayerfully consider your contribution for next week, because once again, all of next week's contribution will go to help fund these projects. Thank you. Good morning. If you're visiting with us this morning, we are glad to have you and invite you to come back anytime you can. We had 268 in worship this morning, and as always, be mindful of the prayer list that is in the bulletin there in the back of the pew in front of you. We'll go over some of these for those that may be watching at home that does not have access to the bulletin, but also a reminder from uh, one of last week's announcements, the lad to leaders song leading and songs of praise will meet following morning services in the TAC. This is for all participants in three through 12th grades, including winter circle. Also remind you a uh, devotion to landmark nursing home and rehab today at four o'clock. If you're willing to help with any of that, please see Jim Estes. Also, ladies are invited to a wedding shower in honor of Olivia Blancett, who's a former member with us. It's today from 2 to 3.30 at East Main Church of Christ in Tupelo. Uh, also, the Golden Circle breakfast is tomorrow morning at Miss Magnolia in Corinth. Uh, they'll be leaving from the annex around 8.15. And also, as Brother Jim had just reminded us, uh, the fifth Sunday contribution will be October 31st. Uh, so please be mindful of that. Uh, and also, everyone is invited to a, an adoption celebration in honor of Ella and Rory Claire Brumley. It's the daughters of Kevin and Lauren uh, next Sunday uh, from 3 to 4.30 in the Annex. I have a few cards this morning. Uh, most of you may not know, uh, please request and prayers for Ricky Davis. This is Francille's husband has upcoming heart surgery. I think he meets with the surgeon on Tuesday, so be sure to keep that family in your prayers. Also, I have a card. It says, to the most wonderful church family, thank you all so much for your thoughts and prayers and visits to the funeral home. Your kindness is very much appreciated during the loss of my nephew, Matt Lindsay. Please continue praying for my sister, LaFonda, and all the family. She is, of course, having a terrible time trying to deal with her loss. Thank you. Thank all of you so much for everything you did. We miss and love everyone and hope to get back to worship service someday soon. In Christian love, Janice and Corey. Also, we thank the congregation for last Sunday's retirement reception. The decorations were beautiful. The food was delicious. We thank all of you who came all who made comments, and all who shared retirement cards and gifts with us. 
We are thankful to those who planned this event, to those who prepared food, to those who served during the reception, and to those who decorated the annex twice due to COVID. It was so beautiful. We thank you for the plaque and day clock, but most of all, we thank you for letting us serve the Boonville congregation, Jim and Janita Estes. That's all the announcements we have. If you'll bow with me, I'll dismiss us in prayer. Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for an opportunity to come and meet together and worship you with a song and praise. Father, we're so thankful for the congregation here at Boonville and its many members. Father, we have some of our number that are sick or upcoming surgeries. Father, we ask that you just be with them and those that are in care for them. Father, we lift up a special prayer for Sandy Bonham, Ricky Davis, and we ask that you continue to help them lean on you for comfort. Father, most of all, we thank you for those who came forward today that asking for forgiveness and asking for more guidance in their life. Father, we're so thankful for that. And Help us as a congregation to do our part to encourage them. Father, we thank you so much for Brother Ken, for coming our way, for being such a lover of you and a lover of spreading your word. We're so thankful to have him as a part of our church family. Father, we ask you to continue to be with the leaders of our church that they may continue to lead, guide, guard, and direct us in a way that would be so pleasing unto thee. Father, go with us throughout this rest of this week and help us to all live, work, and play in a manner that will be pleasing unto thee. Most of all, Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross, that we might have forgiveness for sins and opportunity of home in heaven with thee one day. It's through his precious name we pray. Amen. <laughs>